Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, live from the Sundance Film Festival, the yearly show where we talk about the best movies we saw in Park City. at Sundance, Rye Lane made us fall in love, Theater Camp made us miss our counselors, and Julie Louis-Dreyfus hurt our feelings. We had everything from comedies to thrillers to horrors. There was movies about teens overdosing off demons to a grandma getting jiggy with sexy Jesus. <laughs> As always, I'm your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, Cottage Cheese is in his top five cheeses. It's Arturo Zurita. To be back at the Sundance Film Festival. This is the category of a bunch of movies that people who think that it's all the pretentious, mm-hmm. snobby stuff. Mm-hmm. We've got demonic demons. <laughs> We've got, like, I don't even know what to call some of these movies. There's a Sexy yeah, Jesus sexy movies Jesus. in this as well. Uh, yeah, this is probably the, li- the most exciting list of stuff to cover because it's stuff in the next category, midnight category, and all the new premieres that have been coming out. Yeah, this is the genre. Recap for Sundance, all the best horrors, all the best comedies, all the best sci-fi, whatever. We are putting them into this version of the recap, and we have to bring on someone who we caught using the stick, Amanda the Jedi, for this recap. Are you excited to get into these movies? I think this is where we had the most fun at Sundance. Yeah, some of my favorites were in the last category, but I'm very excited to talk about a lot of these ones. I just need to point out, though, that cottage cheese isn't a cheese. It's a curd, yeah. I googled it. Um, anyway, we're going to talk about a lot of the favorite films out of Sundance, but if you're looking for our analysis on the drama films, on movies like Past Lives, on movies like A Thousand and One, and on some of the award winners from Sundance, you can also hit back or head back to part one of this recap, or stay tuned for the next part of the recap where we'll do documentaries, spreading this out. Don't want to give you like a five-hour podcast where we're, we're breaking it up and talking about uh, genre movies here. Let's get right into it with our possibly favorite among these. We're, we're ranking them loosely, although there's some movies that maybe should be a little higher, some a little lower. It's a, a loose ranking of our genre favorite. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk, talk about Nicole Hall of Center's new film with Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Tobias Menzies, Michaela Watkins. This one's called You Hurt My Feelings. And it's about a New York novelist who uh, uh, has a happy marriage to her therapist husband, but one day overhears that he hates her new novel, Arturo. Uh, I think this is one of the ones that I was really excited about You're because very excited. Uh, Nicole Holof Center is a really good writer and has made some really good films. Uh, she's somewhat recently participated in the screenplay for. Uh, the, uh, the Last, Last Duel. Duel. She also previously worked with Julia Louis-Dreyfus on the delightful romantic comedy Enough Said. Mm-hmm. What did you take What did you take away from her take on difficulties in happy marriages? Uh, I feel like you're a bigger fan of uh, Dreyfus than I am, mm-hmm. but I respect her. She's yeah. on a league of her own at this point where it's like, I mean, if you're an alum from Seinfeld, mm-hmm. you got deep under your belt. Mm-hmm. You're just doing whatever you want in the Marvel series yeah. now. She mm-hmm. won like several Emmys for the New Adventures of Old Christine, and that's oh, just that's the, something that people yeah. don't even bring up. Right. So that she has so many at, other things on her resume. Point, yeah, this yeah. is a person who I always tell Alita when she was on the Letterman thing where he retired and then unretired himself. The the pockets of conversation that they get into, 
is is next level. Mm. And this was the one screening that we've been talking about. We were in, we were out, yes. the Q&As were clean. Uh, Michael J. Fox was there as well. Yeah, it great was, moment. It was a really great screening by professionals. This is a comedy done to a T. Mm -hmm. They are making jokes where they don't care if you laugh or not. It's not on them, it's on you to see if you even recognize what they're, what they're working yeah. with. Uh, it's a great ensemble. Everybody uh, works really well off of each yes. other, especially because they're close mm -hmm. friends or they're related. But they get into these pockets of different things. Yes, there's the, oh no, my husband did something and I feel sad. But it's the ripple effects of how that comes from the mother. Mm -hmm. How yep. she imposes that on the sister. How and it affects the son. son. Yeah. That's the son. best one. Owen Teague, I've been saying, yeah. I'm not going to forget this boy's name from now on. Yeah. He killed it in it. Uh, but yeah. So did everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a really great ensemble. Not the, just the leads, but even some of the people who show up in smaller roles. There's all the different clients that uh, Tobias Menzies sees as a therapist. Some of our favorites, like Zach Cherry. Mm -hmm. They have David Cross oh. and Amber Tamblin playing an, uh, an unhappy married couple, yeah. which is also very fun. Yeah. I just thought this was so lovely and funny and, yeah. and well-observed because it really feels true to life. It, it It is about this very happy marriage and these kind of like little white lies we tell yes. to get through uh, our relationships and and smooth over things with the people we love. Uh, I, I've been calling it kind of cozy force majeure because it yeah, plays yeah. on the same kind of like anxieties, but it's so warm and it never mm -hmm. really feels like their relationship is in kind of some existential trouble. Just it's unsure how they're going to work through it, how they're going to resolve it. And the way they do is just through a very like, through being very lovely and being very uh, nice to each other. Like mm -hmm. it's not, it's a movie that has complications, but doesn't get awkward or super uncomfortable with those complications. Yeah. Best of all, I just laughed a lot. Me it. too. It's hilarious. It was fun. super fun. She was great in it. And it really is one of those things. It's like, it's an insecurity that mm. so many people can relate to in some way. And it doesn't really have a clear defined answer as to what the best choice would be. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people who came out of this film feeling it's, it's like, it's nice. It's good. I kind of feel like it's a little bit more than that. I think I it's just so, uh, feels so true and feels so good and is so enjoyable to watch it's an easy recommendation i feel yes. like it's one movie that pretty much any audience would respond to hour 33 yeah, yeah. very easy yeah. yeah um i just think it's it's really a gift to get these kinds of movies so yes. I, I enjoyed this one i, I want to make sure it was high on our recommendations mm. list so we got it here at the top of our comedies at least and this um, is also coming out if i'm not mistaken by a24 yeah yeah so one of the a24 movies in the that's festival. a good release hopefully you don't have to wait that long yeah uh, another movie that is with A24, Talk although it's it. one that they picked up here at Sundance because oh. they saw it too and they knew they had something special on their mm -hmm. hands. Uh, it is Talk to Me, the new film from Danny and Michael Philippou, the uh, Raka Raka boys yeah. on YouTube. A good YouTube movie. <laughs> yes, a good YouTube movie of the fest. Uh, there are, uh, their videos are very uncomfortable and messed yeah. up. And they've clearly channeled a lot of this ener that energy into this exciting horror movie about a group of teenagers who use an embalmed hand to conjure spirits and then get hooked on the thrill. Yep. Um, there's so much to dive into with a movie like this and the ways that it plays on, on young people and social uh, activities and especially the posting and popular uh, popularizing of those like trends through mm -hmm. social media yep. videos. Uh, the, the daring nature of it all but I think the thing that we all responded to was just how viscerally we felt the yes. horror of this film yes um, yeah I watched it when you guys saw Fair Play so yes. I was here alone and I was <laughs> like I went upstairs to do something I was like I'm gonna go back downstairs now like, <laughs> it's just one of those it, it, and the ending 
like I can't tell you what happened, but it commits in a way that you're like, oh my God, mm -hmm. when you realize what happened. So if you're looking for the visceral experience of the festival, like this is the one. This is the one that's gonna have those scenes where you're kind of like, oh God, I, oh my God, yeah. oh God. There's one scene, I, I couldn't, I actually couldn't look at the scene. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't, and it's it, that's the best part because if you're not into that kind of stuff, you just don't look at the screen, but you're still, you know, swept into it. So I easy recommend. Even if you don't look at the screen, the sound design is freaking oh, disgusting. Oh, I know. The whole time I'm like, oh, Whips, oh. There are pans, there are squishes. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it delivers. This is one of the best horror movies uh, to mm -hmm. come out. We've been getting a lot of great horror movies yeah. in January. I don't know what, what was up with the studios, but mm -hmm. they were actually blessing us. Yeah. They have blessed us with something bigger here. You said A24 picked it up, which is great yeah. for them. It but it's better for A24 because they finally have a legitimate hit mm -hmm. on their hands. Yeah. It's already premiered at places. So we already knew it was going to be good. Yeah. But we saw this at home. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to be in a theater so yeah. bad. Like, it's coming out at South By. And that's where we want to rewatch it. Yeah. It's a so movie good, where the, the camera work just, oh, it's so good. Mm, it just impacts you. There's oh. a really good bit, uh, making of uh, in the we'll behind the scenes. Put some clips in it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but so on top of that, you just have a, a solid story. Mm -hmm. It's not just the teenage angst of it. You also have these kind of like ripples of characters who have baggage that is now kind of intertwining with mm -hmm. this you know ritual mm -hmm. that the lore is just oh, sick this is something where you, yeah. you don't need a sequel it's perfect on its own yeah. where you'd be dumb to not want to do a follow-up of some sort so yeah. talk to me easily one of the best of the best yeah it is a nasty film it is a yeah. film that is pretty pretty mean but in a way that like is is you feel and and it He's exciting in a in a twisted sense. Yeah, like I'm, I'm fidgeting thinking of certain scenes right mm -hmm. now. I'm like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. A lot of anticipation too, because they get to a point where they don't need to show you the violence. They just know. Like there are certain points where the characters are seeing something. They don't have to show it to you. And that almost makes it scarier because they went all out on the previous one. They're really good. They're really smart. Yeah. The fact that they came, as, as Zach was mentioning, I had showcased to him the Ronald McDonald clips. And I'm only <laughs> playing like a little bit because we scared a lot of people with this. It is some of the creepiest oh, stuff about Ronald McDonald just gone wild. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to leave that there. Y'all can search that <laughs> up. If you've seen these guys on YouTube, it is, I, I commend Six them. Congrats million. on making it. Not just the Sundance, but with an actual great film. Not good. Yeah. Great. But, but the thing is, like, you can tell they're filmmakers, right? They're yeah, really, yeah. They're, they're, it's not just a story or, or just an attitude. It's every element of the production is really working so really good. well. The makeup in this movie yes. is extremely creepy and extremely yes. effective. Oh, Let me tell about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great all around. Dude. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, just touching on the A24 thing, this is like not the type of movie you would typically expect them yeah. to pick up this it's scene. It's not their like, elevated horror. Yeah, horror. exactly. And I think, again, that's, that's good for them. They take a movie, they oversell it. Yeah. They're going to have to undersell it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, all really excited about this movie. Hope it gets into audiences' hands yeah, sooner rather than later. List, they go. Uh, yeah, it's definitely the best horror movie we saw here. So yeah. talk to me. Keep that one on your radar. Another one that absolutely should be on your radar, not only because we oh loved it, goodness. because it's going to be out in March. Yes. It's going to oh. be available very soon. Oh. Let's talk a little bit about Rye Lane, the excellent film written and directed by Rain Allen Miller about... Yaz and Dom, two 20-somethings coming off of bad breakups who connect uh, over the course of the day as they walk throughout London. I've been describing this as uh, Before Sunrise meets Edgar Wright because you have that genuine kind of like sweet romantic comedy element, or but it's got this like 
quick cut nature yes. to it. The jokes come yeah. at you a mile a minute. There's gags and fantasy sequences and all sorts of like visual creativity in mm-hmm. this one. And it, to me, it's a real showcase for its director, Rain Allen Miller, who is not only very funny on the page because the jokes in this really hit, but it, sh- it shows like a, a uh, an ingenuity mm-hmm. in how she presents stuff. There's like a most of this film is shot on like a fisheye lens, but it doesn't really look like weird and stretched out. It kind of just accentuates the yes. visual style yeah. of it. There, there's also these moments with the like split diopter that she mm. uses oh, effectively. She killed killed that, it. We're always looking for the stitching, and we did the rewatch when we came back. Mm-hmm. Clean, absolutely. Nice. And uh, she, I mentioned in one of the Q and A's that she was influenced by Roy Anderson, the guy who did. Uh, about endlessness and okay. a pigeon. Yeah, yeah. You, you would never think that. You wouldn't. But like you can see it when you hear it because there's all the, the way she fills the frame with jokes and different ideas and little bits. It, I just thought this was like the most exciting comedy mm-hmm. that I saw here. Even though I really like loved and connected and responded to "You Hurt My Feelings." Yeah. This is the one that makes me just like uh, want to tell everybody about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Now this was overhyped. <laughs> To the, I got really to the worried. We were maxes. We were overselling. It was the last one that I saw. So usually, yeah. you know, I'm I'm on page seeing them. This I saved to what the last day that it was possibly playing. Mm-hmm. It, fish eye tends to look so ugly, mm-hmm. or it's disorienting. They made it look Not like so a carousel of London. Yeah, like yeah. you're just going through these different figures. Yeah. There'll be stuff that's happening in the background. There's stuff that's happening on the side. Nothing too big. It doesn't go as intricate as like Babylon yeah, does. No, no, no. But nonetheless, it feels like. Uh, we've been saying this phrase a lot, a lived-in world where yeah. these two are just trying to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the humor in here is fantastic. There is one side character. The two leads are, are great. Uh, I, I specifically like Yaz's character yeah. uh, and Vivian, who plays her, great. But it's the buddy. Y'all remember yeah. the buddy's <laughs> name? Uh, shoot, I don't. Oh. The friend oh, absolutely like killed it. He had no business being that funny. There is a dinner scene that you're going to want to immediately watch after the yeah. fact. Yeah. He had no business just coming up with quips on the fly. But that's another thing that is so great about this film is that like a lot of times, especially in a comedy, it's the leads who carry it. And mm-hmm. yes, the leads are great. Shout out to David Johnson, who I think is great on uh, industry in a smaller role. And also shout out to Vivian O'Para, who I had no idea about before the film, and now I love. Yeah. Uh, but you know, people pop up in these small roles or these one-scene roles and are hysterical too. Yeah. So it's a, it's a credit not only to, you know, Ray Allen Miller, but also to all these different actors yeah. who are very, very excellent in this. Yeah. yeah, this one also was just one of those ones that we saw it at a press screening, mm-hmm. and even the press responded. It was that, just rare. Yeah. They clapped. That's the best review that they could give me, is like, bro, even the press screening, because they know I hate press screenings. <laughs> yeah, because people uh, walk out, they're yeah. bored. They're, it, they, yeah, no, it was a really special it's experience. It's brisk. It's 82 minutes, yeah. and it's going to be on Hulu, mm-hmm. of yeah. all places. If, if you get the chance to see it in the theater... Our theater was also hooting and hollering. People are going to yeah, respond to it. Yeah. The, the jokes really work. It's funny. Yeah. Plus, it's BBC and Searchlight, so without a doubt, it's going to get a nice release. And, hey, nice. maybe every 10 years we get a new Rye Lane. Yeah. I love that. I love it. All right, so Rye Lane, a definite recommendation from all of us. Uh, we'll go from one of the funniest movies of the festival to another one of the funniest yes. movies in the festival. Talk a bit about Theater Camp, the film that is co-directed by Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman. 
Also co-written by them with Ben Platt and Noah Galvin. This one took home the U.S. Dramatic Special Jury Award for Best Ensemble. Mm -hmm. Easy to see why, because not only all those names we mentioned, but people like Jimmy Tatro, who's hilarious in American yeah. Vandal, Patty Harrison, who's hilarious yes. in a lot of things now, Ayoade Beery, who a lot of people probably know from The Bear, Amy Sedaris, so, so many funny people in this film. Great cameos. About mm -hmm. the founder of a theater camp, about when the founder of a theater camp falls into a coma and the staff who work there uh, working with her bro son to try and keep the camp afloat. I, I think we all just were really swept up by this. One of the ones that we were lucky enough to be at the world premiere of. Yep. And it, the house was torn down by yep. this movie. It, I, I think this was the one that had the best in-theater reception of yep. any film I saw this year at Sundance. Sure. Um, oddly enough, I had a man who seemed just a little bit too old, <laughs> maybe a lot of bit too old, sitting next to me. So I don't know how into it he was. But he got into it at time. You know? I also had good. an old dude who just went... Yeah, that's what I mean. It's... And I don't think you have to be a theater kid to enjoy this. I know a lot of people, I think it, it helps if you at least have familiarity, but yeah. like I was like the rock camp kid mm. and like I love this movie. I think that there it's it has a similar vein to it uh, in a very fun way, but it, it's another really hilarious one. It's one that does a really good job setting up bits throughout the movie yeah. that then pay off in huge ways at the end. Uh, the music itself is actually really good, which is a huge thing if you're going to have any kind of musical presence. Like mm. you need... To yeah. have something that actually connects and is good, otherwise that's half of your anything gone, your oomph is gone right there. But uh, I think it tackled a th few different levels of relationships, and then the kids are just awesome at what they're doing. I don't know. I thought it was so fun. This is it's the one. So I, lovely. Yeah, we've some people here have watched it like three times. You know, I've we watched it twice. We have queued up to watch. We got to queued up to watch again after this is done. Like it is fun. We've all been like walking around singing some of the songs, and like we just Which can't stop. Dumb stuff, yeah, bro. Yeah, it's dumb stuff, but it's yeah. so good. She on the stick, bro. That's my goal. <laughs> yeah, I know she's on the stick. <laughs> I, fucking I think, I think this is the case with a lot of comedies, and that maybe the first time you watch it, you you see some of the scenes in it, the places where it could have been a little bit cleaner, yeah. places where maybe. The story doesn't fully feel like it works. And then you just like take away how hilarious it was and yeah. you go into it just for those jokes. And, yeah. and like I, I know this movie has grown and grown in my estimation since I first watched yeah. it. I think I liked it more right off the bat compared to you. Yeah, like I but, was all, I was in it right from the go. I was yeah. laughing so hard in the I mean it, it'll so win you over. It wins oh, you yeah. over, but But I, I think like it's very easy to sort of like put down a comedy as not ha as as missing some elements and yeah. mm -hmm. those are the films that tend to grow into the cult classic. Yes, that's true. Remembered film because the half of it is, <clears throat> I don't know how much of it is improv. And yeah. they were talking about how long they had to edit it. Yeah. The shooting style is crazy. It's almost like a miracle that it's cohesive. Yeah. Yeah. It feels a lot like the Christopher Guest movies. It's yeah. not like the Judd Apatow style of improv. No, 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 no. But I'm okay jokes. with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no, because a lot of the scenes in a Judd Apatow movie is like, right, here's the beginning and here's the end. Find a way to get there. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't know if they knew where they were going, but they somehow found an ending. <laughs> yeah. And that's a big premise in the movie, that yeah. idea of it almost seeming like it doesn't know where it's going. And it doesn't feel like they they wrote themselves out of it. It feels like it organically happened. Yeah. That's why the improv really works on the uh, on the finale. So I highly recommend it. Yeah, Theater Camp, uh, easily one of our favorites of the festival. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely hilarious. The festival. Yeah. And, and oh that ending also just really, really works. It was maybe the first movie that I, I felt like well yeah. up a little bit. Like no, it's, it's not just, like a sad ending. It's no, just like it's crazy. Like, it's like, triumphant. It's a triumphant yeah. ending. It's the best example of like you need to finish these movies because yeah. like you were right off the bat, 
It's been growing on you. I was like, all right, this is solid. Mm-hmm. But what they pull in the last act, mm-hmm. bro, on fourth down yeah. is incredible. They, they literally turned something that I didn't think was funny into something I thought was hysterical. That's, yes. Yeah. And that's yes. perfect. Yeah. Also yeah. mention the Q&A. We'll be mentioning it later. Right. But yeah. One of the best premieres because when we were purchasing tickets, we couldn't get this. Yeah. This was like a goner. There was no way we were going to make it. Yeah. Too much hype. We were lucky enough to get into the screening, and we got treated with something super special. Yeah. So. Yeah. A one-night-only performance of that final performance from the kids in theater camp. Uh, we'll, we'll post the video on Twitter and stuff. But so good. It, it was just such a magical moment, and yeah, it, it'll be something that I think you really love once you get the chance to yeah, see it. Yeah, absolutely. Theater Camp, one of our favorites from the festival. Another film that I know Art responded to. That's other people's children. Not a mm. film that debuted here at Sundance, but did play in the spotlight section. Art, tell me a little more uh, about this film, which yeah. is about a four-year-old woman in a loving relationship who grows close to her four-year-old stepdaughter, but wonders if it's too late for children of her own. Well, it's the story of four-year-old yeah. woman with <laughs> a four-year-old stepdaughter. Uh, and it, I found it to be beautiful, not just because of her performance, uh, Virginia is a lead, but it's it's like you're, you're just going through the cycles of her wanting to be able to provide that love, mm-hmm. that you know mothering mm-hmm. to somebody else. And uh, the fact that she's uh, coasting through life to a certain degree, the interactions that she has with people, I, I would put it akin to, uh, I don't know if you got to see it, One Fine Morning. Oh, yeah. Uh, where you're, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's closer to that vibe in just following this woman trying to make it through her day. Um, yeah. It's, it's a very simple story, but I think it just it packs a punch because you're just following her. On, a, uh, on her daily life but uh, when I first saw the poster I thought it was going to be pretty cliche and it, it wins you over with a lot of hearts so other people's children playing at the spotlight category meaning that hopefully this is a release it's coming from France and out of the other French pick that we, we were talking about in the previous movie this is one I would root for towards the end of the year mm-hmm. I just don't know if it counts but mm. really solid uh, character study on her interesting yeah uh, curious about this one hopefully it'll be out not too long mm-hmm. from now uh, let's talk a little bit about another one that I know both of you really enjoyed. Mama Cruz. Let's a film go. About Horny a, grandma. <laughs> a Holy de- Jesus. A film about a devoutly religious grandma who has a sexual awakening after discovering internet porn. Yeah. I mean, I, it sounded right? really fun. It has maybe the best poster of any of the films from the Sundance the Festival. Good. Not really all the committed. films have posters yet, but... This one is definitely the best of the ones that do. Yeah. But how about the f- movie? What did you like about it? You go. Cruz. Mama Cruz. Cruz. She was pretty funny in it. Uh, there was a, a movie that went to Chicago not too long ago, uh, and also Fantasia. Uh, could be mixing them up, but it was called Merry Go Round. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that was also a, an older woman coming into her sexuality. We've had stuff like X, right? Where yeah. everyone was so disgusted at the old people doing it. <laughs> it's been an interesting topic to see people uh, discuss. Because I don't know if y'all know this, uh, we're going to grow old too. Yeah. So I'd rather them do the shift before we get there. Yeah. Uh, and this is fascinating because the director herself, Patricia, she does a lot of documentaries, if I'm not mistaken. So her look at this was from a documentarian point of view, but she wanted to make it a narrative. Yeah. She said she stumbled upon a picture of her mom and it did not look like it was a, it was way too frisky from what she moved her. <laughs> and she said at that moment is when she realized something that I think everybody realized at some point. That's that your parents are also people. 
Yeah. And uh, just the way that she dives into it, I thought was was pretty special. Really good cinematography. Very good especially when you're following her guilt and yeah. Catholicism, what, what you do when you're yeah, feeling very guilty. guilty. It, lighting it, the candles yeah. and everything. It's a, it's, a, it's a great movie. Yeah, and then honestly, just like the advocating for her own sexuality and like how she has you know needs and desires and stuff and how that's okay. And it's just another one that's just an interesting look on a topic that isn't explored enough. Or if mm-hmm. it is, it's usually as the butt of a joke. Awesome. Yeah, I'm very curious to catch up with that one. That's one that I'm hoping uh, we'll still be able to catch in a couple of days. Sure. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it more on the pod at some point, I'm sure. Another film that we'll talk about more at some point. Uh, Amanda's got a lot of words coming on this they one do, yeah. uh, on her own channel, but Infinity Pool. It made its debut at Sundance. We got the unrated cut Cup here. Cut. And we get the, before everybody else gets it, the regular cut in theaters, I guess. Uh, the film about... A couple staying at a luxury resort led by a mysterious woman into a world of violence, hedonism, and untold terrors is the new film directed by previous Sundance veteran Brandon Cronenberg. I think we all really responded to the last film of his we saw here, Possessor. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, This film has a lot of similar things going for it. A lot of other things that are maybe a bit different tonally, Mm -hmm. but it's certainly a striking movie. Amanda... You've seen it now twice. I have seen it twice. So what what is your perception after two watches of this film? I liked it more the second time. Yeah. It, Brandon's, uh, Brandon's movies have a very specific feel and vibe to them. And if you respond to that, you're going to like it. So that's good. Um, this one where I found The Possessor was more viscerally graphic. This one ends up being more sexually graphic and psychedelic. And that, mm. I'm not usually into a lot of psychedelic stuff, so I think it lost me in a lot of areas there. Yeah, I kind of love that. That's what I mean. So if you love that stuff, you're you're all in. And that's where me, I kind of, I don't know, I just start losing. Yeah. I still pay attention as much. So yeah. And a lot of those like three or four sequences in the movie that kind of go that way. But there's two things that this movie is kind of doing. And one is just this look of like what rich people do when they go places and how they behave and the treatments that they get and the benefits they get. And then there's also this like total deconstruction of this man's like personhood, self-identity and ego. And that's where I feel it's really strong. And Skarsgård really just delivers it in the end. And I find that far more interesting than anything else going on in my opinion. Um, So there's a lot a lot to chew on here. And it's it's a horror in a way that it leaves you feeling like dread and just bleak. Cool. Yeah. That's where the horror is from. It's not going to yeah. keep you up at it, night. It's, it's an assaultive experience, which I think yes. you can say about all of its films. Yeah. yeah. But this one in particular. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to call it personal. I know you did a lot of research. You'll be talking about it more spoiler-wise. That uh, Alexander Skarsgård playing almost to a degree a creative someone who hasn't been able to make another movie and such. There's yeah. like a lot of interesting parallels there, especially with the infinity pool or pool as we saw with the title. <laughs> it's got this very looper-esque feel to it yeah. almost mm-hmm. to a degree. And I, I thought the effects in there, you keep telling me that uh, he's still... It's practical. It's all practical I don't know effects. how the hell it's practical, but... It's practical. Um, he does almost, as far as I'm aware, like everything he, he... Like it's almost all in camera or just like stuff that they put in front of the camera. Like that, he takes extreme amounts of pride in that. It, and that yeah. to us makes those moments where you're saying it gets all psychedelic really cool because it's like, yes. oh, but it's special. You you got to like, it's not just stuff on no, no, no. Uh, on it's, it's software. Like throwing colors in front of things. On purpose, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, doing things with the lenses. He probably uses yeah. a lot of the old Vaseline that, trick where you're putting yeah, the Vaseline on the lens. Doing so, those sequences are, are just really, really incredible. And there's, they like, are. There's moments in here that I just think are so like, uh, the experience of it feels like the swirling chaos that 
So mm-hmm. few movies can really elevate to that level. Yeah. And maybe the the movie doesn't mm-hmm. sustain that level for the duration of it. Maybe mm-hmm. some of the the plot stuff feels a little thinner. Or its commentary feels a little bit like half of the movies that came out the last year. But I, I just think that there's there's few filmmakers who can put that kind of visual energy on yes. screen. Yeah. So I really, really responded to that. That I agree Maybe there's elements of the film that I respond to less. You know, there's some, there's a lot of films here where like you love maybe the parts more than the whole, but I mm-hmm. love the parts so much that I think everybody should see it. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. But uh, maybe not everybody because it's also like a typical, a difficult, a difficult movie watch. at times. Yeah. Yeah. Mia Goth, baby. James! Come on, dude. James! This was the pearl performance that I yeah. think everyone was like hyping up. I was like, I don't know. I, think I she, agree. She's got it here. She, like, that's what I mean. Everybody, like, I'm going to get raked over the coals for this. I don't think she did anything last year worthy of being nominated for Best wow. Actress. No, but okay. I mean, I, yes. I don't know. I'm just nominated for an Oscar. I think no. she did some Best Picture work, but I don't think she should have been. Like, when people are like, she should have been nominated for an Oscar. And I'm like, there are like four other women in place ahead of her that need Rizzleboro to be there first. Then. Yeah, I guess. I, you know? I, and I love her. And I, I would have actually preferred seeing her over Rizzleboro. But um, and I also love her too, though. Rizzleboro? Rizzleboro? Is it Rizzleboro? Rizzleboro? I don't know. Bro. Either way, girl from Possessor. Andrea? 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 We, don't know. we don't know. She's a chameleon. She's a chameleon. I like, I would have been fine with her being in there too. But like, this movie, it's she fun. like she's fun. She's yeah. having a blast. She's going all out, and it's so different from how she talks at like the Q and A. She's like, "I'm so self-spoken. It's just such a fun." So, somebody I know said that she talks like a British child talking to a cat. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I know she's acting because sometimes I watch her and I'm all like, "Your voice is like an octave or two lower half the time when yeah, you're acting yeah. than when you're talking regularly." She's having so much fun in the movie. Yeah, so her much and Thomas fun. and Mackenzie in a movie stat. Mm. Dude, I would love that. So much. <laughs> it's she just gonna be things for theater kids to pitch to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Infinity, Infinity Pool is really good. Cool. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, might be worth getting into it with some spoilers at some point down the line. Yeah, might have to. Let not know. in this video. Uh, let's talk about a completely different style of film. <laughs> Uh, but the opening night film, the the very first film that I saw, and the very first film we all tried to see, tried to, like I saw all this stuff. It. Sometimes I think about dying, starring Daisy Ridley. Uh, it's a film about an introverted woman who works at an office and occasionally imagines her own death. However, the new guy at work sparks a different feeling within her. Um, I really responded to this one. I, I thought it was quite a lovely depiction of. Uh, introversion, particularly the the feeling of it as not necessarily like an unwillingness to participate, but a, a lack of understanding of how mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. that that struggle. Um, I thought the imagery spoke really loudly in this film, whereas the short film that it's based on uses a lot of. It's a good short film. I like it, but it uses a lot of narration to to give you the background of the character that maybe because it doesn't have the runtime or whatever, it can't explain it. Here it does all of that visually, and mm-hmm. I thought it's really compelling, particularly in the par- parts where it shows you one image that you've seen before and then places another image yeah. on top of that and the, the, the meaning behind that significance. I, I just I felt this deeply as, some, as somebody who relates to the character, and I think there's going to be a lot of other people who oh, see yeah. themselves for in the sure. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah, and so yeah. maybe it's not going to be hit for a lot of people. I know it's not going to hit for a lot of people yeah. based on reactions out of the screening. Yeah. But the people who really loved it are going to... Re- or people who are maybe disposed to love a movie like this are going to really, really love it. Yeah. You saw it in person. Yeah. The yeah. people who this is for saw it online. 
Yeah, no, that's very true. That's actually very true. That's um, true. I, I think also just it, it's really rare to see a movie that is examining kind of like the idea of like female loneliness in that yeah. way very specifically. Mm-hmm. That's it's usually the role that you see given to a lot of guys, and yeah, uh, the, it takes a, a lot of different ways. But then they still have her kind of acting in the same way, where she kind of lashes out at people when yes. she doesn't really know how to react, mm-hmm. and that's something you usually see coming from the opposite side. Yeah. So it's actually really interesting to see it portrayed here uh, through Daisy. Also, shout out to the boy. The boy, Dave. Yeah, Raji. I want to say say his last name. I've known him from uh, Rami, mm-hmm. where he's mm-hmm. killed it. He he had some really funny sequences, especially in the last season. Standout here as a supporting actor. Um, really, just the, the almost burst of sunshine that this woman doesn't have. Yeah. their text messages with each other are just <laughs> hysterical. They just bring in this a perfect deadpan type of comedy. Yeah, uh, that I thought, I thought would really. <laughs> there's work. there's a, a there's a clip from Bob's Burgers that makes its way around on Twitter a lot, where he imagines what his nine to five would yeah. be like. And I feel like that's the style of humor that most of this that movie is. Yeah, yeah. Just that like boring <laughs> office interaction, the signing <laughs> of the birthday cards time. and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's it's really good. It's it feel it feels nice and fresh and. Uh, speaking not just of Dave and of Daisy, I do think this is one of the best ensembles we yes. have at Sundance. Yeah. There's Meg Stalter, who a lot of people know from Hacks. No. Uh, Par- Parvesh China, who's one of those guys who I never really knew his name, but I decided after this movie I got to learn it. Because whenever he shows up, I, I, I enjoy it. it. Yeah. He was um, in uh, Mythic Quest and yeah. killed it in that one. Absolutely. And then also uh, some, someone who's in the film kind of on the, as a bookend, Marsha Debonis, who actually broke my heart. In Out the of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's got a deep roster. I yeah. think it's really effective. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it's really I think good. a lot of people are, are underselling this one. It's really yeah. good. No, I think it's going to be a hit when it comes out yeah. because, yeah, it, it does a lot of things, right? It's a really great office movie. Yeah. It's like yeah. an office comedy and a drama at the same time. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, for sure. It's, it is the definition of when dramedy is not used derogatory. Yeah. This is the best version of a dramedy. Yeah. So, I'm rooting for it. Mm-hmm. I'm rooting for everyone involved. Absolutely. Uh, let's go from one low-key comedy to another. Let's talk a bit about the directorial debut of wow. Randall Park, Shortcomings, a film about an Asian-American movie theater manager grappling with the implications of race and culture as he navigates the dating scene and being separated from his longtime girlfriend. Pretty solid cast in this one. Um, it's nice to see Justin H. Min in a role like this, kind of navigating this somewhat miserable protagonist. Second time we've I, seen it this year. <laughs> yeah. He's always being called Ben. <laughs> yeah, he's Ben. But, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, and and um, I just think it's, a, it's an interesting movie because it doesn't really feel... It, it has the feeling of a romantic comedy but not the structure of it yeah mm-hmm. and, and not and it doesn't resolve in the way that you maybe a typical romantic comedy style movie which would. is good yeah and i think it's it's much better off for it. it's all these little like slices of life ob- observations that actually feel really true we yeah. found ourselves talking about things and then saying it's exactly like shortcomings yes, more times than we expected yeah, like too lot. many times as you can see right here we think it's good it's three and a half but some people wouldn't think that's a big one no but it has snuck into way too many yeah. conversations we keep trying to look for bottle openers and there's a scene in the yeah, sequence we just... keep calling back to yeah it, there's a lot in this that we really like the thing is that he wears it on his sleeve yeah. Rand- that was one worry that i had is that randall park comes in and he adapts this graphic novel mm-hmm. from the same guy who made uh, Paris District 13, yeah. if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, let me put it up here. Yeah. Adrian Tomine. He did Paris District 13, or 13th District. It's on Hulu. Highly recommend it. It's a really good mm-hmm. uh, movie. 
Randall Park adapted something where he added a bunch of his little nuances in yeah. there. A lot of stuff that he wasn't going to see. A lot of fourth wall breaking, yeah. even in this movie. Yeah, and I love all the crazy rich Asian stuff. Yeah, oh, it, so this fun. movie's like, he saw that film and went, mm, I gotta get to work. <laughs> yeah. But then uh, still had the like kindness to have somebody offer up the like, counter to right. be like, but what if people genuinely like it, not just because of this. And then he's like, well, that's even more yeah. depressing. But like, it's still good. <laughs> it's, a, it's an introspective movie, even when it is a little too much. Like, it feels like someone... I mean, it's the main character. He's hounding you. He is a yeah. miserable yeah. person He's to miserable. be with, and they're not afraid to show you that. And I thought that worked really well because there's been a lot of big climaxes in these movies where they realize, you know, main character gets hit with the idea of it's not whatever else you think it is. It's you. Uh, and I thought this one covered it well. I mean, it's got the title yeah. for it. Shortcoming. Uh, I think that there's so many movies that don't go hard enough committing to your main character being mm. the problem so that either they have to come out the other side but people don't always realize that they've even gone through a journey I know mm. Scott Pilgrim's a big one uh, 500 Days of Summer is a huge one this kind of has similar vibes in areas um, yeah. yeah actually yeah wow you know what I mean uh, yeah. and no, then, I do know and exactly then 500 Days of Summer just ends the way that people would probably expect this one to end and it doesn't necessarily wrap up that way but it's good because it's you know this is a reality people are like this and it's yeah. good to have movies where people are just assholes yeah I mean so we've talked about a few comedies that are real laugh out loud crowd pleasers mm-hmm. this isn't that one but it's but it's satisfying. Oh, and I, I laughed quite a bit, moments. and I think the audience. It's got did moments, but it's not. It, it, it's it, not the. I think it'll play different in a crowded Sundance theater than it would in like. You're, that's fair. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying it's not funny because it is. No, but no, no. It, it's not It's no you have feelings, camp. it's no theater camp. Yeah. yeah. It's more just kind of like, huh, that's true. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's a it's a satisfying dramedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? because this one's really leaning on moments where you're like, oh, this is a comedy, and then they start fighting, and no one found that funny. Yeah. yeah. They're yelling insults at each other. And if you have absurdist or not absurdist, but if you could be like, oh, that's a really funny way to end an argument, sure. Yeah. But they're being mean to each other. Yeah. It's very so you go from laughing. Yeah, you're laughing at the beginning of the argument and then you're like, That's I'm not rooting for him. Yeah. And yeah. I felt some of the audience mm-hmm. felt a little But it, it also feels like the, the the characters are in a place where you kind of have to be able to call them out on it. Yeah. Yes. So it, it, it does work and they, in a way. They do. The best scene in the movie. Right. The best line in the movie was cathartic. Yeah, but it, again, that's part of why I feel like the movie's not as committed to being fun the entire time mm-hmm. as maybe Ryan Lane is. No, that's Which is right. not a demerit. It's just, mm-hmm. I'm trying to, that's the tone of yeah. it. It's a little more a slice of life. It's purposely yeah. made to move between Well, again, again, I wouldn't say it's as good as a 500 Days of Summer, but it's a similar thing. That'll yeah. have moments that are really making you laugh out loud and then other Absolutely. moments where you're like, oh, okay, now this is we're yeah. going serious again, so. And yeah. a good cast. Debbie Ryan was kind of really? decent. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, she's pretty good. I like her hair in it. She was really uh, pretty. Yeah, who played Alice? She did who did? Who played oh, Alice? Oh, Sherry Cole has a friend. Sherry Cole, so yeah. Very... He's, without her, oh, we're not sticking with this guy. Yeah. No, no, no. It's no. as simple as that. Because you don't even wonder why she's sticking with him, but you know it's because she kind of has like some light. She's like, I'm willing to put up with your BS because you're nice with me and I can rag on you yeah. and you accept it. But like, yeah, she's the she's reason good. why you say I'm Timothy Simons made me laugh a lot. Yeah. You have no business being funny <laughs> out of so nowhere. Yeah. Jacob Adelon gets to do a meta joke. He gets a yeah. little meta joke in there. And then yeah. also Sonoya Mizuno. I love seeing her yeah. in her proper yeah. accent. Right. Like doing her thing, yeah. playing herself, not an alien or a robot. So good. Uh, she was really good at it as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And shortcomings, I think we all would recommend that one. Yeah. Keep bumping up a point every single yeah, time. Yeah, right? <laughs> it goes up point one every single time we talk about it. Yeah. Let's shift gears to the musical comedy romance Flora and Son, the new film from director John Carney. You might know from his work on Once or Sing Street. He's uh, no stranger to the music musical movie genre. Here, it's a film about a young single mother with a delinquent young son 
and she picks up a guitar, starts taking lessons with, uh, starts taking lessons with the man on the internet, and ultimately finds that it lifts her spirits and brings her family closer together. Aww. We ventured out to the Sundance Mountain Resort. We did. Place. This was a fun one. It was a fun one. Art, I feel like you were a little skeptical going in, and definitely got won over. By the latest from John Carney. Yeah, dude. Uh, I, I do like Once. I think Once is a really good Once movie. Great. Still my and favorite. And it's got one of the sickest Oscar performances. I always yes. remember that. They just reunited. Mm. We were All talking season. about that. Yeah, I got an email at that. I'm like, wait, they re-releasing Once? No, they're back together. <laughs> uh, begin Again and Sing Street. I'm not a hater from them. Yeah. There's something about an audience that if you don't like it a little bit, I all of a sudden become a hater. And I guess that's been my, yeah. my pushback on those mm-hmm. movies. I'm happy to say Florence Sun knocked it out of the park for me. They do... Yeah. Uh, several things right one it's not just a music uh movie but he's also venturing himself john carney into different genres that he hasn't mm-hmm. so it was interesting to see him write some of the songs yeah. on here right. and i'm like you know what I, I appreciate this that means he's willing to make an effort i don't know he's probably got some kids who listen to yeah, different probably, genres though, right yeah. um but knowing the lead in this is eve houston which we've had discussions about mm-hmm. she was decent she was decent she was real good i thought she was real great in this um I, I think that the description, it does end pretty wholesomely and it gets to a wholesome area, but it makes it sound way more wholesome than it is overall. Like, this is, like, very Irish. Yeah, like, it's, got it's, a, it's got a filthy tongue. It's a yes, big, filthy it's tongue. Not, it's fun. She's, honestly, she's a bit of a shit mom for, yeah. for most of the movie in a lot of different ways. Uh, but, yeah. But yeah I, but I like that a lot from a lot too. of the movies this year is that they weren't afraid of Joylin, Cassandro. Mm-hmm. They say a lot of derogatory terms. And I saw people out of the screening. They didn't like it for that reason. But it's real. But that's reality. You have to get into the uncomfortable to get to those heads. Yeah, this this one is really uncomfortable. Half yeah. the time, like they're really the relationship is through Skype. Yeah. And she still finds a way to be inappropriate. <laughs> so inappropriate. Uh, but it's good because you you, you yeah. follow the son and you realize like yeah he's a real piece of work but you see who his mother is you how see who his father is yeah, how does he not have a and the way that yeah. music comes into play i thought he did a fantastic job yeah. i really like a lot of the music yeah the rooftop song oh the rooftop so song good is great. and the rooftop oh, song stand it evolved out of a bad song it, it, the, the rooftop song. song does the same thing that they do in, in once which is they show you a little bit of the song and then they build on the song and you see it like grow into like a full so thing good and it's just it's magic it's magic it's every time you see that yeah. so shout out joseph yeah, that's, the that's most adorable good. he's been. You were just bringing up Five Hundred Days of Summer. Yeah, I know. Got, yeah, no, I I feel like I haven't seen him in a really excuse me good role in a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is he brought a lot of heart. Into he this. brought a lot of heart. Absolutely, a lot of heart. I so much heart that I I was maybe you wanted something some more. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. It, did, it did end kind of abruptly. I, I I don't know if the movie feels like a full arc, but it's not it. necessarily like unsatisfying. Yeah. It's life. Yeah, it's life. Yeah. I don't want to talk spoilers about that. Yeah, I mean, without getting into the specifics, the place it ends, it kind of feels like there should have been two or three more scenes. And then, yeah. But, like, it, once you walk away from it, it's fine. It's it's everything you really need yeah. from it. Yeah, songs are really good. True. It's really charming. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I, I think there is still a quality to it that's maybe less... A little more, like, made, a little, a little more uh, designed than a once, which I really mm-hmm. feel is just, like... Mm-hmm almost like fly on the wall yeah. um, but it's it, for me it's the most successful of any of the films he's done since then yeah. no I really like it mm-hmm. Flora and Son let's go to the film that won the World Cinema Woo-hoo! Grand Jury Prize in Don't the go. You were dramatic category <laughs> yeah Art a little a every little time put Scrapper I have a, a, we have a meme for this it was I'm putting on I said put on Crapper he says Blapper we think Crapper <laughs> 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 Cute, it's cute, yeah. The, the world, world. <laughs> the world, the 
that's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's maybe a bit of an unexpected winner here, but I mean, it's, it's one cute. that I think we all at least enjoyed, a film that's about a 12-year-old girl uh, happily living alone in London after her mother dies, and she's forced to confront reality when her estranged father turns up out of nowhere. Mm. The estranged father, played by Harris Dickinson, a guy who's been mm-hmm. on the way up, really yeah. good in Triangle of Sadness yeah. not too long ago. Very good in this one, too. I, I'm I really, Eddie in this. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lola Campbell is a is a discovery, though, as the, the 12-year-old here. Yeah. I thought she's really adorable. Yeah, um, I've heard people uh, make say this is sort of like a G-rated Florida project, and I really see that through their dynamic. Yeah, a lot of people are saying Afterson. I don't see the Afterson as much other than the father-daughter dynamic. Um, There's like, I think there's one scene at the end where you get it, but I think Afterson is just going to be one of those things that people just start comparing a lot. Yeah, Yeah, Shannon Van. But uh, no, she did great. She was really, she was really great. Um, She did like that really good, like kind of like precocious, independent Mm -hmm. kid. I don't don't need anybody. Uh, And then having to work to kind of like break through her her walls. The one thing I would have rooted for this one would have been editing. That's where I would have been like, yeah, for sure. Because they do a great job of putting you from her perspective. Yeah. We noticed some things. I don't want to spoil it. We were like, interesting thing about that character that they seem to not have put or shed a light on. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's really cool to just nonchalantly have it in there. Yeah. The fact that uh, they're raising themselves for a little bit of the movie. So Mm -hmm. you have a lot of these swooshes and edits that really... imaginative. Yeah, Yeah. because we've had other movies that we're going to get to where they overdid the sound effects. This was refreshing to see it be used from the perspective of a child uh, and how their whole world gets turned upside down when, you know, somebody comes in to live with them. But yeah, it's a really cute movie. Um, I wish wish you well. I wish you well. (laughs) I wish you well. Oh, yeah. That is really cute. Let's talk about heroic. Oh, Michael Fassbender is producer on that one too, by the way. Oh, um, Scrapper. So, damn, heroic. Let's talk about heroic. The story of a young man hoping to enter the Mexican military. Ah, Amanda caught this one. Told me there was something that went on with the dog. And, yeah, uh, I literally made a does the dog die account for this, and I don't feel bad. I don't think that's a spoiler. I just think that's a healthy warning. It's a warning. <laughs> it's a warning. It's a warning. It's a warning that steered me away from the movie. But yeah, both I of y'all caught it. Uh, what do you think about the rest of heroic? Uh, this is where I thought the inspection was should have been, and then it's not. Inception, inspection gets into like a little bit. It gets into it, and then by the end of it, I, I literally yeah. say it, and people are gonna get pissed off at me. It's literally like the Marines are like, no, 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 only we can be homophobic. Yeah, exactly. I don't like that. This commits in every way, and it's it does brutal. not shy away from the brutality. Yeah. It is so brutal, and it really it takes an interesting look at someone who does kind of get accepted by some of the superiors, the higher ups, and has kind of like a streamline that he could just coast and take it easy, um, but is is haunted by the things that are happening around him in in this very brutal world, and he's just trying to maintain it together so that he can provide for his family. And for himself, but and yeah. then how that affects him long term afterwards. It's a it's a rough watch, but it's good. It is very yeah. good, but it is it is a rough watch. Michelle Franco, he's done a couple of different things, such as uh, Chronic and Sundown oh, recently. Yeah. But one of the big ones, don't see it pulling up here, was a movie that kind of has the same tone that this has going on with it. New Order. It's on Hulu okay. from a couple of years ago. This has that same brutality, but it had people disgusted. With the dynamics that he had going on, which Mexicans oh, were okay. destroying other yeah. Mexicans. Uh, here, I guess because they're just all destroying each other, it, yeah. it gives you a completely different per- perspective. This is Full Metal Jacket yeah. for like the Mexican army. Yeah. And if you know anything about the Mexican army and the cartels, yeah. then you've met the Mexican army and the cartels. Yeah. <laughs> like almost yeah. one and the same at some point. Um, but it's 88 minutes, and by the end of it, you feel the... Uh, 
you feel tired. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's effective in that way. I saw it uh, twice oh, yeah. because I had to replay a, a bit of it towards the end, and it's it, it's just a brutal movie overall. Um, Monos is probably the most okay uh, closest I can think of towards the journey that the kids have to go right, through. Right. Um, but the worst part is that Monos is uncivilized, and they're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. heroic. Interesting. All right, one to keep on the radar for sure. Heroic. Uh, film that was seemed like the most out there among the Sundance catalog. I think Art is the only one who got around to it. Let's talk a bit about Divinity, one of the films that's produced by Steven Soderbergh. Yes, sir. And speaking of uh, Monos, it's got one of the movies from Monos. Yeah, yeah, uh, Luis is in it. He's in yeah. this along it, with uh, I'm blanking on his name from On My Block, Shorty. Okay. They play brothers in this. Uh, Bella Thorne is in this one too. And other adult That's stars. That's the one Bella Thorne was in? Yes, and other adult stars are in this as well. Yes. <laughs> Reportedly, allegedly, supposedly. Yeah, and Moises, Moises getting into some, some yeah. business with some adult stars. Uh, this one is about two mysterious brothers who abduct a mogul during his quest for immortality, yep. as well as a seductive woman that helps launch them into a journey of self discovery. <laughs> I actually don't think Seductive Woman is Bella Thorne. Oh, okay. it's not Bella Bella Thorne is the other woman trying to beat them to the punch. Oh, okay. uh, um, and, uh, yeah, no, Bella Thorne, Emily Willis, that's still not the girl who ends up helping them out. That's, no? that's yet another girl oh, okay. trying to uh, get up to uh, finding who this person is. There is a trailer, so you're able to see some of the crazy stuff that they do in here. It's in black and white, but they surprise you in some ways. It's the most distinctive looking film of the Easily. Yeah. They fight through these sequences of stop motion, almost 8-bit video gaming. Okay. But it's Moises as an 8-bit character. Oh, wow. And because it's black and white, I'm not going to say it's seamless, but you're able to go in and out of it so much easier. Right. Um, and it's just a crazy movie. It's that premise up until the end, seeing if they can make it or not to be able to get the solution that they need. But um, it's interesting. It's worth it. Some fun facts in the credits that I will leave <laughs> uh, for people to discover. But it's probably the most intriguing movie out of Sundance. Uh, there's probably a handful of three. And this would be at the top of if you wanted something new. This fits that mold completely. Mm. It's in the next category, and this is exactly what I look for in the next category. Nice. Awesome. All right, so Divinity, uh, one of the strangest movies for sure at Sundance. Another film that was out there, although a lot more crowd-friendly, at least. Easily. Uh, got a lot of plaudits early in the festival, although I don't know if we're we are quite as high on it as some <laughs> other people. Let's talk about Polite Society. This is a form... That comes from Focus Features. Mm -hmm. And it's got a release date in April. So it's pretty soon uh, will be available to most people. The film follows a London schoolgirl training to be a stunt woman who fights to save her sister from her impending Sounds marriage. Great. Uh, definitely wears its Edgar Wright influence yes, on its sleeve. Yes, it does. In terms of the, the dynamicism and the quick cuts and the sort of... Uh, imaginative way that they depict the action like it's sort mm -hmm. of got this like magical realist energy yeah. to it i don't know if it quite has the sharpness it, of an edgar wright film i think it starts there mm. and then it, i think there's a big section in the middle that kind of starts losing me yeah uh, i do still really walk away feeling very positive about mm -hmm. the movie um i think it's because i felt it started so strong mm -hmm. i had such a blast in the beginning uh and it's a very interesting story but uh, who picked this up again? Sorry, did you say Focus? Oh, Focus. Focus. No, they had that they already. already. Had I don't even want to say picked up. Yeah. yeah they got the watermark and everything. The watermark. Yeah. I feel like this, 
Carson, some people are going to love this. This is going to be a lot yeah. of fun. Carson put it perfectly. He's like, it feels like the most studio-ready movie at an independent film festival. Mm-hmm. And sadly, he's 100% correct. It's like, it's already picked up. It's got all that going to it. Yeah. This is the one we said the, the sound effects pack was... Yeah, and every single action was paired with some kind of sound effect, and to an extent, it's fun. But after like a while, that. you start to like and really, really hear it. Yeah, fair. yeah. I thought it was it, it's it's juvenile, but it's mostly fun. I just think the gag ultimately wears thin. It's gonna be a movie that like will be a big hit with maybe younger audiences. I could see teenagers really yeah, responding yeah, to it. Sure. It's you know like it, there's no shame in it being geared towards kids. It's kind of a kids movie. It is. You know, even the way that they're like, marriage is like the worst thing that could happen to your sister. Like, it's a kids movie. Yeah. But it's fun. It's fun. Priya was great. She's so over the top. She she was... It makes me laugh. I know. But at a certain point, it's like, I agree. You did me chill a little bit. But she did 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 a great job going over the top. And also, we didn't know this. A second Umbrella Academy Yeah, it was a big Umbrella Academy Yeah, and we thought they should have easily... Put her more on the poster. Or she yeah, they should have done one of the shots. Well, there's two. There's shots where they're both like this, so I don't mm-hmm. know why they wouldn't have them both together like that. Because we're not on the marketing team. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, why wouldn't you market Umbrella Academy yeah. to me? I would have been there for the premiere. I want to see Umbrella Academy. Yeah, easily. So uh, it's it's still a cute movie. It is. I, had I liked really, it a lot. I was really anticipating it, and it's not bad. But I I, I thought it was breaking up to be something. Great. I can see why because we heard the midnight crowd reactions, and I can see why people yeah. at midnight would have been like. There, there was an initial wave of buzz that was kind of like this is doing everything everywhere all at once. Um, Where'd that come from? Sam Adams, but what? <laughs> yeah, it's it. This? I, think, I think you can only think that if you weren't <laughs> a spin, fan. The spin. Uh, oh, did, did the camera go like this? Yeah. Come on, no. Yeah. Actually, you know what I thought it was a lot like? After Sun. <laughs> <laughs> Polite Society out in April. Um, talking about most anticipated. The next film we're talking about is maybe the most anticipated film Easily. from like the larger mm. crowd around the we're festival. We're still trying to get tickets. Uh, based on the viral <laughs> New Yorker story, I think it was. Yeah. Cat yeah. Person. Uh, directed by Susanna Fogel with Amelia Jones and Nicholas Braun. The film is about a college student who meets a 33-year-old man at the movie theater where she works and how she navigates the potential horrors of beginning to date someone she doesn't fully know. Uh, and, you know, there's definitely something to be said about this movie as some form of just debate-sparking provocation. Yes. Yes. The, the, it's easily a five out of five at starting an argument with the worst guy you know. Yes. Uh, but I, I think there is something to be said about how the movie does really commit to writing that line of, like, actions that could potentially supposedly hypothetically be explained away yeah. I, ultimately i think that they're, they're they're trying to make this point about the the experience of being a young woman and uh, introducing yourself to to men who are simultaneously a romantic uh, have the potential to be a romantic partner and be a partner in some kind of horrible horrific crime yeah. and, and there are moments where that navigating that works and then there are other moments where i feel like they indulge the fantasy a little bit too much to the point where it's like we get what you're going for you've said this already you probably said it better yeah you don't need to say it again right now yeah Yeah. especially because if if you've read the story you haven't seen half of what they bring into the movie which is a good thing yeah but then at the same time uh, I agree with Zach. I like those little bits where they're trying to make it this Rorschach test of like, mm-hmm. you are actually able to pick whoever you want. Because there are a lot of those movies where people mm-hmm. come out in, from Barbarian, which I thought was pretty clear cut, yeah. and it wasn't. And they're like, wow, we can't have the discussion. I was like, I don't think that's the movie you want. 
this is the movie I think they actually yeah. wanted. Yeah, is, they yeah. want it's to be a little annoying at times. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is purposely meant to be ambiguous. Even though, I don't know, I feel like the movie does tip its hand to, I'm like, okay, I see what you're doing at yeah. this point. Without spoiling too much. Yeah, I just think it, for me, it really loses it in the third act. Um, I think it does commit in some areas where you understand what both sides of the debate are. It's not, people are going to say there's like victim blaming aspects of certain things, but. Oh, the conversation is going to be. Yeah, the conversation is going to be great. Great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, But I think, you know, it really just comes down to that anybody can revoke being interested in something at any given moment at any time for any and reason. And that was good. That's a great part of the, the short story. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought they were able to cover it well. It's a yeah. little annoying at first, but they do this interesting there, thing of getting into her head. There mm-hmm. aren't movies that really do address this. And so there is a novel aspect to that. It's just that they, they do eventually kind of like oh, push it past yeah. this point where... We're we're having like a real discussion, right? We're yeah. we're getting yeah. into this kind of like crazy fantasy hypothetical. Yeah, they yeah. make the stand. They make the like this is now the like one percent situation. Yeah, exactly. My lane, uh, in terms of just the, the the visuals of like speaking to each other, I thought that that well. If you remember those theater moments, yeah, where they're like building up and talking to each other, the way that she spoke to herself at a certain point was like kind of spelling it out for you, mm-hmm. I guess. So yeah. Like, there's lots of, like, for me, I just think that it, when it hard pivots, and normally I like when things go off the wall, I just didn't think it served the story that they should have been trying to tell, I guess. It's crazy at the end. It's crazy at the end. How'd you like uh, the cast? Because I thought Nicholas Braun, in particular, a guy who it it feels so Cousin Greg to me every time. I thought he actually really, really worked here. I thought he was a kind of guy that is very common, but not very common in movies. Yeah. Just like a regular ass, regular Feel dude. Feel we all know this dude. Yeah, yeah. Literally, the, description, good. the description from the short story, um, other than, so his beard was a little too long. That doesn't really happen, but his shoulders slumped forward slightly as though he were protecting something. And that is just, that's, that's Greg. Yeah, that's just that him. is him. That's just kind of how he walks, walks and stands and yeah. kind of carries himself like that. So the casting for that, they use his height really they well. They use his height super well. Yeah. Emily was good in this she too. Really was fine. Yeah, uh, between this and her having a twofer with, um, Fairyland. Fairyland. Uh, I think she did a good job. I like her more here, I think. I think I liked her more here. She had a lot to work with here as well, but uh, I don't know if any of the side characters, we were really surprised to see Liza Kochi appear out of nowhere in this movie. Supposed to being like a first or second year university student. Yeah, I don't know. Was she the the TA? I don't know what was going on there. I don't know. Even Michael Gandolfini, who also had two at the fest as well. It's very tiny here, not as big as his other one, but uh, his eyes look better. Yeah. Overall, I always like when Geraldine Viswanathan shows up in something, Dude, even really though her good. character's maybe a little mm. bit overwritten. It's mm. way overwritten. Yeah. And then she's still... She's good. Yeah, she's still good in it. Yeah. For such a hefty role. But yeah, Cat Person, you think it's going to do well when it comes out? I feel like people are going to eat it up. I think it's going to do really well on Twitter. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. going to do really well in the box office. Mm. Yeah. Honestly, know? Letterboxd isn't liking it. I know that's uh, not the be-all and end-all, but like that is actually where I would expect people, to see the yeah. higher ratings. It's at a 2.9. Oh, yeah, so people aren't loving it. Right. They're not hating it. It's a big. It's like one of these. It's a perfect bell curve. It's a All perfect right. bell curve. I'll be interested scale. to see how that how that uh, gets pushed once bigger people or the public gets to see it. Yeah. Let's talk about a movie that a lot of people have had a chance to talk about because it's a Netflix pickup from even before the fest mm. started. Uh, really? My animal. Hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, about an outcast teenager in a small northern town who falls for the new girl in town. 
But as Heather grows closer to Johnny, she's forced to control her animal instincts. Uh, this got hype as being the the lesbian van, uh, excuse me, lesbian werewolf movie. Yes. At the festival. So I was excited. So of course we had to send the lesbians to see yeah, it. Yeah, we had to send me to see it. Um, it was like, it's not as bad. Some people hate this. It's not as bad as some people are saying, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think there's aspects that just like don't really make sense to me. Uh, it's also Canadian, and Canada's already produced the greatest mm-hmm. <laughs> like pseudo lesbian uh, van- werewolf movie in Ginger Snaps. So like we've got it, we've got it locked down. History to upheld. Yeah, this one. Oh. There's just things that are kind of like weird. I don't know why Johnny would have been like initially even remotely like into going gravitated towards Heather yeah. as a character. Uh, there's nothing about Heather that really feels like gravitational. I don't know what it is. Uh, if they had played played her more as like the weird person that is just kind of around, I think that would have worked better. But so yeah, I don't I don't know. It, it does feel terribly Canadian though because of the hockey and just this <laughs> yeah, she's like, like a hockey player trying to make it. Yeah. Don't want to let her on the team. It's not even trying to make already. it. It's not trying to make it. It's trying to make it on the local team. This is probably yeah. some little tiny town in like northern Alberta. Like, like, no. <laughs> like you aren't going anywhere on this hockey team. This is just how you spend your Thursdays. Yeah. Like, but uh, it, it's good. It's got. I think it's got a lot of elements that, that work really well for it. Um, there's just some things that are so awkward that I yeah. just don't know why they made the choices. I, I had some trouble buying into some of the, the aspects of the world. And yeah. it's, it's A lot of it felt like they're, things are happening because they want it to go that way and not because it feels like... That would be the progression. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, it was not, I, I, it was nowhere near as bad as what people were saying it was. And, yeah, yeah, that's I, probably how we all went into it. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, we noticed that also a lot of the initial reactions came from men. And um, as, as the letterbox started to fill out, you saw a lot more positive reviews from women. So yeah. Maybe there's a little bit of that to it as well. I, I could definitely see that. Uh, soon, lots of people will be able to weigh in on it because it'll be a Netflix movie. Yeah. A movie that I don't anticipate will end up on Netflix. Yeah. Sometimes they do pick up Sometimes those they do. international ones. Uh, Sorcery. This film is set in Chile in 1880 and it follows a young indigenous girl as she seeks justice with an organization of sorcerers after her father is murdered by German settlers. Uh, Really interesting film. I think we maybe expected it to be a little leaning more into the horrific elements, the sorcery elements, and it is much more of like kind of like an apprentice movie almost with hints at the darker elements of it. Um, And it also feels a lot more rooted in the history of that point in time. Yeah. I think that it, I was ultimately a bit let down. I didn't, I felt like it didn't lead too much. I, I, I didn't, the place where it ends felt like it could have been the end of the second act rather mm-hmm. than the end of the movie. It's one of those movies, okay. yeah, where it never intended to give you what it tended to yeah. like you up for. But then That's at the same piece. time, yeah, they're not in the midnight category. Right. It's that world dramatic movie that really pushes itself as being this, uh, because uh, originally it's called Brujeria. She's supposed to be the sort of witch. But it really is a drama. If yeah. you go into it looking at it as a you know spooky, eerie drama, you're going to enjoy it a lot better. It's set up as like this revenge thriller after this beginning mm-hmm. act that happened. And you think, oh, she's going to go associate herself with the people who are going to be able to fight off these, what is it, German settlers? Mm-hmm. And it really is a movie where it's getting into the history of Chile. And the more you know about that, you're kind of seeing what he's trying to say here. Okay. In which case... Are you really rooting for it? You kind of know how it all ends up, right? Yeah, That's the reason why you're making a movie about how the yeah. Germans kind of took over Chile and Chileans don't really look like her. They're mm-hmm. a little bit... Well, that Technically, if I may, 
Yeah. They look a little bit more like this man right here. <laughs> so, uh, look, he didn't make a bad movie. I did. He, she said in the Q and A that she pulled a revenant. She was in the water. She was freezing. So, Actually. shout out to her. I, yeah. I am rooting for her. I bet she gave a really good performance, even if the script and the story wasn't as strong as it could have been. Okay. But you know, the more you know about Chile, maybe it'll interest interest you if you catch a little of the nuances here and there. But nice. more of a drama than a horror. Sorcery. Cool. Let's talk about Fremont, which is film that had kind of like a lot of different things going on so my, my the best i could do in plot description is it's about a 20 something afghan translator used to work for the u.s government living by herself in a building with other afghan immigrants she also like in la or new york or something now it was, i think it was in la no they're in san francisco so okay, well. yeah uh, or Fremont, she, Fremont, it's Fremont. Fremont, Fremont, Fremont movie. Uh, she, she also uh, writes fortune cookies. Well, she ends up in the position of right, fortune right, cookies, right. in which she realizes my life's a little sad. I can't get any sleep. What if I decided to write down my own fortune? Oh. In particular, a message that goes out there that may or may not return to mm-hmm. her. Uh, we got to see a press screening of this. It is completely shot in black and white, and it has this tone of being very bleak and i think that's something a lot of people are going to connect with if sometimes i think about dying is the blockbuster version of depression this is the true slam dance version of it it is so awkward at times but there are there's two actors in this that hit the tone in a way that i thought was ridiculous she sees a doctor this dude greg turkington yeah was on one he's hilarious he is the tone of the movie at its best. Okay. He is the reason why I gave it three, and I'm willing to give it that extra half star. The lead is really good, but it felt like I could hear the director telling her, okay, keep staring at the camera. Mm-hmm. And I could feel her still staring at the camera. There were some other characters, like her co-workers, that don't fully fit in, where they're trying to be this different tone. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy Allen White. Jeremy Allen White appears. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, he's good. He doesn't need any time because he's Jeremy Allen White. Yeah, yeah. That's almost like a last-minute pickup I feel that like they were able to get. Um, but it, it is a good movie. Um, as someone who suffers from insomnia, I related a lot to like the character not being able to go to sleep mm-hmm. or having trouble getting the help to be able to go to sleep. Mind you, I wasn't a translator who has PTSD because I was in Afghanistan. Right. Yeah, yeah. People probably didn't want, <laughs> want us to be involved, but... Uh, I've seen a lot of people resonate with this movie. Uh, I wanted to resonate with me more if they would have kept the same comedy levels. Mm. But it felt like every different actor was trying to reach the level of dry humor. And they all had different uh, levels of it. Once you guys see it, uh, I'd be excited to talk more about it. Interesting. All right, so let's talk about Mami Wata, the World Cinema Dramatic Special Jury Award winner for cinematography. And I think you only need to see a couple images from this to get a good picture of how striking looking of a movie it is. Um, I didn't get around to it, but the film follows Zingwe, who's forced to confront her spiritual destiny when visiting her late grandmother's village. This is a Nigerian film. It's predominantly in Igbo. Arturo, what did you think about Mami Wata? Uh, we were trying to break down what were all of the black and white films of this yeah. year. Divinity would have been the other one. This one, easily, in terms of just the lighting that you have to shoot for black and white mm. on set skin tones. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. I don't know as much of the folktales to be able to tell you like how intricate they got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also had some, uh, I want to say Indonesian movies, where we were noticing some biblical things, but yeah. not all of them. Right. I, I'm a little bit more far removed from this, uh, so I'd be curious to see more people's interpretations of it. But, you know, it was 
really interesting movie to follow along. This is in the next category, or is it world dramatic? Uh, world dramatic. All right. Um, it wasn't my favorite out of there, but again, not something yeah. that I'm as up to date with in terms yeah, of the it, it felt you felt the distance, I guess, maybe a little bit. But that's not on. I mean, that's not on the movie. That's on me. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, so that's Mami Wata, which won for Best Cinematography. Let's talk about a completely different film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Landscape with Invisible Hand. This is one of the ones that I think I had high up on my most anticipated list because it comes from director Corey Finley, the boy, previous intercut guest for his film Bad Education, also directed Thoroughbreds. This one uh, is about two teenagers, one an artist and the other recently homeless, who come up with a plan to help their families after an occupying alien race takes over the human economy. A very different style of alien invasion movie than I think we've normally gotten in that there's no sort of like <laughs> violent takeover here. It's just sort of a very gentle takeover of every aspect of modern life. Yeah, beautiful um, metaphor. A, you re- beautiful a really metaphor. effective yeah. metaphor for, for right? class and, <laughs> and the shifting economy. And I think there's just a lot of really interesting elements that are in this film. Mm-hmm. That I really responded to it. I don't think everybody really responded to it. How much did you like it? You keep confusing us how much you like yeah, it. Yeah, because you keep, keep talking about it like you're giving it a four or four and a half and you're a three or five. And I'm I like, just well, was modest about I was. in my ratings. I don't want to like he is modest in throw his out he is a modest. five star every now and then. But what but, connected with you? That's what I need to know. I mean, I think just the way that it sort of has this commentary, commentary about the commodification of everyday life. Because yeah. it's yeah. not just people who are, are trying to find jobs. They're turning... Human, the human mm-hmm. experience into a way to make money, which is also reflective <laughs> of what we're doing. But it's but without aliens, it, it, it's well, push to the next degree and push to like really disturbing, intimate situations. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was a really clever extension of like what what is going on and and how like I don't know. I and I also really respond to the mm-hmm. idea of this artist character at the center. Of yeah, it. I do. And, I do and like the that. the cool. commitment to making art despite these different capitalist. Uh, pressures coming from on top and try- trying to change his integrity. And I don't know. How do you feel about it being an MGM movie produced at the Acura? <laughs> How do you feel about Glass Onion being produced by Netflix? I mean, I think yeah. the, the people are trying to sneak their messages in there whatever way they can, even if it is yeah. got this big budget behind it. I think my issue or where this started losing it for me is that it's another one of those ones that like I like the setup, don't like the direction they ended up taking. That's it. what it's gotta be. I like everything you said. This is the movie. To me, it's when um I don't want to spoil it, but like a lawsuit happens. Mm-hmm. And that's where to me I was like, I'm now no longer I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit out of this. This isn't the direction it's, I thought it was gonna lot, go. It's way goofier than I thought it was. I gonna really be. thought they were gonna it's commit very to silly. the whole like commodification yeah. of like the human experience and I wanted them to go a little bit deeper. I wanted I mean, it to does. go way deeper. It does, it does but I wanted in it to, a weird way. In a weird way. I didn't I wanted it to go deeper in, in the way that it's way. set up. It goes yeah. goofy. I put down when we were talking about what are like the best categories and movies, and it was a VFX one. I was like, yeah, well, this has VFX. We put it on there. I go to look at it, and Zach goes, absolutely. Oh, well, no. I like this movie. The effects aren't exactly amazing. Like the, if you want to talk about the character design, I think the character design is yes. really funny and like works for this film. Yes. But they don't have the money to make it work. Yeah, they don't have the money. It, it, it's not out yet. It already aged. Like, it's that. <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, but I, everything Zach good. said, he's right about it. Yeah. If only there was like a book that I can <laughs> read and maybe covers it better. That's. I think it's a short story. 
Is it a short story? It's a short, yeah. As far as I'm aware, so I, I don't actually think. Or I think this when had the chance. To, I think this had the chance to make it better, and it just went in the same direction. Uh, and I, I do really appreciate kind of like his artistic mm-hmm. thing, and you know, it's like the they showed phenomenal. the art. They showed the art, yeah, which showed uh, the art. was yeah. as we were talking with another movie showing the thing yeah. that you're hyping up. Sometimes they want to hide it. I no, like no, that no, thing. It, it was almost like chapters also, for the movie. Yeah, it also I ended up that. being a really effective form of uh, exposition yes. in that they kind yeah. of introduce you to the film through this art. Yeah, and I loved it. That yeah, was great. It's great. I, I think there are points where maybe they do a bit of over-explaining, particularly in the beginning when they're trying to set you up into the world. I think you could have maybe just sort of like experienced the world a bit. But I, I think there's a pretty clear vision for like what has happened to this society, mm-hmm. what 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 are they dealing with in the face of this economic collapse? And I, I just thought all that stuff was really interesting. Yeah. Tiffany Haddish has a funny scene mm-hmm. that after floating up with something with another species, I would have smacked that species that is <laughs> own when that scene happened. Yeah. But uh, landscape. I'm, I'm excited to check out the book. Landscape with invisible, and that one will probably be out relatively soon as well. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about another sci-fi comedy of sorts. This one is Pod Generation. Maybe the production design is a little bit more favorable here. Uh, the film is about a young, or a couple, I should say. I don't think Chuetel's that young that I can call him. I don't think Chuetel's that young. He's a man. Yeah, he's a full, he's a he's man. A, full, <laughs> a couple in a world run by artificial intelligence that decides to take their relationship to the next level by renting an artificial room designed by a tech company. In okay. order to have a baby. Amanda, this was a day one movie was, for you. Like, and you were pretty excited coming out of it. Yeah. Uh, what did you respond to in Pod uh, Generation? I liked it. I don't think it's perfect. And I see a lot of the issues people have with it. And I can agree with a lot of those. But I did really love this world that they've crafted. And I really feel like it is a logical continuation of where we would get. Where, mm-hmm. you know, uh, instead of this whole like, oh, we got to get out to like the country. It's like, why would we need to go to the country? Because everything's right here. We have our nature pods. We have all of this nature vibes, uh, you know, workplaces, um, kind of offering up things to help make your life more convenient, but in ways it kind of like takes away a certain humanity yeah, of yeah. things. Um, but then you kind of end up at the bait of like, shouldn't people have the choice if they want to have the choice to kind of do things other way. And I feel like we're actually right now dealing with the, the surrogate debate in a lot of areas, whether people think it's okay for you to like get somebody mm-hmm. to be a surrogate. Designer, designer babies. Designer, ba- like designer babies are, yeah. Like there's all sorts of issues like that. And, yeah, it's like it's genetic. It's like talked about in high school a bunch of it. You can get to the point that you can genetically control different aspects of of your baby, yeah, and it's getting further and further along. And like okay, if you dial of... dial things in, eye color, hair color, just certain things. You don't know yeah. necessarily how it's going to come a out. There, there's a, a funny, a, a kind of funny moment in in a pod generation mm. when they are asked if they want to know the sex of their baby. And yeah. They, they say we will let nature Naturally. handle it. Yeah, and the salesperson is just completely She's aghast. just like, oh, what a unique choice. Yeah. You know, like, what a that weird thing. Yeah, yeah, so I think there's a That's lot of... quite like, unusual. Quite unusual. Says. You know, uh, I think there's a lot of really good moments. Um, I, I, I can understand why some people just really aren't resonating with it, but mm-hmm. I, I thought that Amelia and Tweedle both did really good in, in their roles. Um, I like that he's kind of like this, this traditionalist. He's a botanist and... Everybody, nobody can believe why he wants to still be around actual plants and trees mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of both taking a look at this evolving work landscape and how women would operate in a, in a futuristic workspace, but also just how society has like changed so fundamentally around like what we value and yeah. like what we don't. Um, I don't necessarily think it 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 
lands the ending perfectly well, yeah. but I do just love this world that they crafted and a lot of the different aspects mm. of it. And obviously it was like the second movie I saw. So sometimes like when you start off early, like you don't have things to like, things have not trumped it yet. I think now it might be a little bit lower, but I still, I still really like it. It's so unique. Well, it's you're unique. also putting it up against like past lives. Yeah, know, that's what that I mean. Point. Yeah, but I saw this day one. I saw this after. Sometimes yeah. I think about dying. It made me laugh more. So I'm right. just kind of like, Good okay. Movie. I've heard a lot of people, uh, you know, doing the Black Mirror thing, and I feel like just like we have rom-coms, mm. oh, do you want to see a rom-com? Yeah, I'm kind of feeling one. This has become the new bit. Do you want to see a story that we've seen a dozen times that's got that Black Mirror ad yeah. reminding you about it's what technology has done? Yeah. yeah, let's remind ourselves that we're human. It, yeah. It, it suffices yeah. in that bit. Yeah, it's decent. Yeah, yeah. The, the movie that I thought of, and this is like an unfair comparison because that movie is really great, it is Her... Oh and, yeah, and uh really great. <laughs> no, but yeah, you say her, you can't. There's nothing compared. But the, to the her. thing about her is that it it feels so much like a like a logical extension of where we are. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that maybe made me feel a little bit of a distance with Pod Generation is it didn't necessarily feel like this is where AI will go. This is like like a artist interpretation of how yeah. AI already controls us, yeah, right? That's a great yeah. point. And like even even yeah. the way that like the the little Alexa of their thing was like an Elena. eyeball on a desk. Like nobody would do yeah. that electively. It's, it's so free. Yeah. So it's like they have someone on set who was like, this is exactly what it would be. And then the production designer went, no. <laughs> the art department was like, we need eyes. There is a visual here. Yeah, which yeah is I like, feel you. They it's were testing. Funny those those eyes they were testing. So like, no, that could have just been like, nobody told them it was I can't eye. believe it even passed the and first round. And they hated it. It doesn't mean they, they're testing it and they hate it. She yeah. hates the little eye. Yeah. But even in their home, they have Elena who like wakes up and she's sassy. If you, yes. don't, you don't respect Elena, she doesn't respect you. Right, right. And like, okay. it, some of it's fun, but it's a, it's a little quirky and a little yeah, less yeah. like, this feels like a weird distant future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's interesting. The production design is really good. The performances like are good. Yeah. Uh, I wish maybe it had gone a bit deeper. Deeper, yeah. but it's, yeah. it's not a bad movie. Yeah, not, not a bad movie by any yeah. means. Let's talk about one that maybe we're a bit divided on, but I think it's one that we were really excited to see yeah. as well. Mm. Jamo Jaya. This one directed by Justin Chan and stars notably Brian Rich, Brian Emanuel in his film debut, playing a character somewhat close in some ways to his life. It's an Indonesian rapper with a rising career in the U.S. who hires a new manager and label to take over from his previous manager, his father. Uh, the film predominantly plays out over the course of a few days, of one week, really, yeah. in Hawaii when his father comes to visit as he's trying to launch a new album and film a new music video, and it becomes this kind of like hectic collision of competing influences and competing voices on his shoulder, the the voice of his father trying to keep him true to his roots and the voice of the managers and the labels trying to change him and make him into their own vision. Uh, I, I think Justin Chan has this really dynamic style that he films. Basically all of his movies, with they, they're shot on film. Mm -hmm. The camera has these quick movements that really make you feel like you're part of the chaos of these scenes unfolding. But the film itself ends up sort of hitting a central climax and, and, and kind of repeating that climax over and over. There, there's sort of one debate happening in the film and it happens over and over and over again. And even when it feels like it's been resolved, it just starts up again later. Yeah. That was probably the most frustrating part for it. It looks beautiful. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Justin Chan's previous work. I, I like him when he's acting in front of his movies as well. Justin Chan's got some really good Sundance hits under his belt. He hasn't surpassed Spook yet. And that's probably 
the biggest worry that I have because Rick here, he says he wants to span out to different Asian ethnicities. Yeah. Because this is Indonesian, Rich Brian had to take the entire script, rewrite it himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's the director? Who's the screenwriter? <laughs> yeah. I'm all for the collaboration, yeah. but it really does feel like a Justin film. And then an elongated Rich Brian music video. You know when you're yeah. watching a music video? Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, you just sent me the one that he did for Sundance. Yeah. It's a whole yeah. bit at the beginning, and you know that we're just waiting for the music to drop. Mm-hmm. A lot of this feels like a yeah, like fair. a very uh, atmospheric, like just waiting for the music to drop. And I also feel like maybe it even would have been a better film if they had those breaks for music sequences. I thought they were going to yeah, go a little deeper. They because they, yeah, they have moments where they're talking about this parable of a tree, and I'm like, oh, we're going to get into some creative stuff. No. Not fully. No. no. It's also, uh, it's one of those ones that we talked about past lives feeling very personal and it being her story. This is one, it's like, it feels like it is his story and then he gets to the end he's like, not my relationship yeah, with my father is great. So my my label relationship is great. That's so this is thing. just a story they wanted to tell. Uh, and yeah. It, it just too... That's so mixed. confusing to I me. Felt like I, the, I, had to, yeah, I had to correct I, I felt like all the scenes that were in Indonesian were a lot stronger. Yes. And they felt a lot more personal. And then you have all these scenes that are in English involving the label, involving the manager. And they just felt so impersonal. So Kind like, of like a music video where you need to really express how dramatic yeah. something is in a mm-hmm. short period of time uh-huh. so everybody is heightened. Yeah. They shouldn't feel like heightened. recreations of bad business moments that he had. And that's what it felt like. And Sorry, that's not but, what it was. Yeah, Henry and Kuzik did not feel like a record producer. He yeah. felt like the angry man yelling at him. Exactly. Anthony Kiedis was all right. Yeah. He felt like he didn't want to be there. It didn't look like he wanted to be there. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, it, it shot on uh, 35? I think it was 35, yeah. It looked beautiful. We were really up close because we were taking pictures with Rich Brian. Yeah. <laughs> it looked fantastic. I just wish the story hit a little bit better. There are moments there. It just didn't fully do it. I think I liked it a little bit more than you guys, but uh, I, I agree it does get just very repetitive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I really liked uh, his father in the film. I was Yeah, I was just going to uh, say that. Yeah. Yayu I.W. Unruh, I thought was really strong. No, he was fantastic. Yeah. He was and, and Brian was really strong in the Indonesian scenes. I, I think maybe he suffered from the writing as well in the English scenes. Yeah. But I when he was asked to go to a place of anger, I thought he was actually effective. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Persian version, which took home the U.S. Dramatic Audience Award. I think a lot of us were surprised by that because yeah. it's a category that has films like Theater Camp in it, yeah. films like Back into Dreams in it, films yeah. that got a lot of hype. This film was a lot more understated, at least you know in terms of Twitter reactions, Letterboxd reactions, but it didn't just pick up an audience award. It picked up the Waldo Ooh. Salt Screenwriting Award right? as well. The Persian version is about a large Iranian-American family that gathers for the patriarch's heart, the patriarch's heart transplant when a family secret is uncovered and they dive into the family's past. Um, Amanda, what do you think about the Persian version? It feels like it should have been a miniseries. There's so much random stuff going on in this that it, start, it starts one direction, pivots to like three other ones by the time the movie's done. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it ends up feeling too long, whereas if they had taken like, if this has just been like, I don't know, like a four or five episode miniseries, it probably would have been able to keep that energy up where it needed to be, where it needed to be. Um, this is another one. I, I have to assume that this is kind of a reflection of the director's life. Yeah. It feels um, very autobiographical. Yeah, it feels very autobiographical. And some of it's really fun for that. And then some of it, I was like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> no, why? I don't like that. But it's it's got a lot of flair. It's got mm. a lot of uh, interesting dynamic of, uh, uh, you know, what it's like to be, you know, um, 
you know, born in one country that is very Muslim, very traditional, but then also being in America where it's like yeah. the polar opposite and kind of growing up in an era. She so talks about the not 80s being, and the 70s, yeah. She talks about not being Iranian enough for uh, Iranians, but not being American enough. Iranian enough. Really good. enough. Yeah, Iranian yeah. enough. Then what I want yeah. yeah, so it's like one of those, like that, that disconnect and that split and how that affects kind of like how you grow up and then, yeah. I liked it. I did. No, I, I, I know. It. I do like, like it. It's. I was telling this to Zach. I was like, it's one of those movies where you have someone really trying to tell their story. Mm-hmm. They may not have the greatest costume designers, cinematographers, and editors on hand, or someone who could really trim the story down a bit. They won awards, so I, I don't know. I guess <laughs> I guess they're doing something right. Uh, but I liked the heart that was in there. Mm-hmm. I, I liked the relationship between the mother and the daughter, seeing the reflections of themselves yes. in it. But there are some over the top stuff. Like there is a partner in the movie. Yeah, I ain't care for it. That's what I mean. <laughs> like, I'm here to, I, I'll defend parts of the movie, but that, that was so, like, it was borderline stupid. I know, but it has I'm like, to did be, it have to be real? Like, it has to have been real. But then that's even more confusing. Like, what, what do you mean that you did happen? that? How did yeah, that even happen? Um, but just in terms of that story of, of, of immigrant parents and, and their children taking on that mantle, it was decent enough to nowhere compared to something like yeah. Joyland or the no. other movies that we had. But it's, I'm not upset that it won. It's just one of those where you feel bad where it's like, ah, this is the worst thing that could have happened to the movie. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. fair. I don't know. It, to me, I felt like it was really all over the place. Like, even, even the narrative momentum, I felt like I had trouble getting in with it because it just posts everything everywhere all at once. Do you worry that that's going to be the new thing? Not just being able to hop on to different things? I, I do think so because, like, it's not easy to shift tones that well, that, yeah. that quickly in a film. And especially jumping back and forth through time like that, it's a little just like, it's, it's a little which story are you trying to tell uh-huh. you know and and i i didn't feel like they were focused in on enough on yeah. one story they were just trying to pack in a lot of trying to do them both but i yeah. think like they didn't land it perfectly for yeah. it but i see what they were going for yeah. so the script i guess makes sense they must have had a really good script yeah yeah <laughs> well we'll see talk about birth rebirth this is a film about a single mother and a childless morgue technician that reanimate a little girl from the dead i think it's a really smart idea for a horror film i don't think i've ever seen you know frankenstein's monster as a baby yeah but this film goes there and does it does pretty interesting things with it i don't know if it's the most satisfying horror movie but there's some cool elements to it very cool elements what'd you respond to it um, I think it's pretty much, like, I think the elements are so strong, and I can, I, I get exactly why every character does what they do. You've yeah. got one person who's just a creepy weirdo scientist trying to do some creepy weirdo science stuff, and you have a mom who's just desperate to believe something being true that will never be true. Like, kid died of meningitis. Yeah. That is, like, your brain swells, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, you, that, there's, there's nothing there. That yeah. kid's gone, you know? It's not coming back. That kid's not coming back. Um, but there was so many like little things that were unsettling, like it not being able to handle silence anymore. Yeah. So it needed to constantly have some kind of stimulation yeah. going on. If you left it alone for too long, it would get yeah. violence because like all the impulse control is gone. Just so creepy and, and like horrific. And then some really weird stuff though, like, yeah. <laughs> like the, the bathroom. Well, I mean, <laughs> this is the film that somewhat notably got shut down at least at one of its Sundance Always screenings. Always in Salt Lake where somebody knocks out because they were I so wasn't that bad. Well, here's the thing. If I could spoil a little bit. Is it the arm? Of Birth Rebirth is the story of a doctor who realizes that she can have a cycle going on where she can continue to make, yeah. let's call it, a fountain of youth serum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's in that process that she could do by herself to advance life that I could see someone being very disgusted by it. Yeah, but I don't know if that's when they went. 
they said it was during one of the more disturbing scenes. I think it's I the only thing. I don't know. There's something with an with an arm. I guess. But I don't. I can't imagine where it would actually. I don't think it was that. The premise it's is not grotesque. It is a grotesque premise. But the but... characters have to be the absolute dumbest characters possible, and that's where you just lose it. Yeah. Well, I know that it's like way too over the top. But if you're gonna do an over the top premise, then you need the straight characters. Yeah. They just didn't have that. The mom was just like, "Oh, this is a crazy thing that you did." What's next? Yeah. But like, what like would where, a mother do though? What would a mother do if the kid was there and breathing in front of you? And if you got two options. You're either like, sure. this is horrific, I'm shutting this down. For or sure. maybe there's a slight chance. There is a slight chance. You ain't making deals with the lady who just did all this. I just think, yeah, no, that's true, I agree. I think they kind of tried to have it both ways with the characters in that we were introduced to the Judy Radis character as more of the reasonable one and we're introduced to Marin Ironwood's character as more of the out there one. And then, at a certain point, the plot <laughs> one would put it. And and at a certain point, the plot asks them to sort of flip their yeah. roles in there. And yes. I don't feel like the characters felt specific enough to buy that flip, right? Fair enough. Um, and that's maybe when the movie goes off the rails a little bit. Yeah. But there's still some really cool stuff happening. Yeah, it's a really cool title. Uh, mm-hmm. The poster is also really awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's like it may not be the best horror movie, but it's one to catch if you're with a group and you wanted to see who's going to be the first to knock out and it's <laughs> interesting i like the concept it is, is interesting I, just, I, hate, I hate how dumb the characters are. that's fair let's move on to animalia the world cinema dramatic special jury award winner for creative vision i knew you knew that one uh <laughs> this film is about a young pregnant woman slowly adapting to her husband's religious family in morocco when she finds freedom after an alien and Invasion sends the country into a state of emergency. I'm hiccuping from the Mike's Heart Lemonade. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the I think the premise has this I, ha, has this promise of something that's maybe a little more chaotic than what we get. It's a much slower, more patient movie. Uh-huh. Um, there's some interesting ideas in there, particularly related to faith and and how people handle their faith in the in when confronted with something that is otherworldly, right? I just think that it doesn't necessarily go a lot of places with that. And it takes a while to get there mm-hmm. uh, for, for like a feature length. I think I just wanted a little more in there. That's fair. a really good dog actor. Yeah. I like the dog Very actor. Very good doggo. The oh, dog yeah. actor was really good. Um, but I will say in terms of like you read the description without getting into too much spoilers, with her coming into her own, I think it's also important to know that Animalia... I don't know where the name comes from because Parminos translates to Among Us and that's the title that they, they have at the end. They didn't want to do Among Us. They but didn't I, want I to assume do it. you couldn't do Among Us. Mm-hmm. But that changes this idea of the... They are Among Us or something. Yes. Right? Maybe. No, they still would have gotten torched. They still, still would have gotten torched. Yeah, Among Us is... Dude, come on. That wasn't a freaking nice out movie. And so at this <laughs> point, like... Yeah, I feel bad that they had to change the name because I think that that's... That helps with what the point of the movie is about. That it's not most, not it's not necessarily the external forces, but the internal mm-hmm. forces mm-hmm. that uh, that push it. Amongst us. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 something with an ET for the extraterrestrial. <laughs> yeah. uh, All right, let's round out the genre section with a couple of films that I think were your favorite. Some letdowns. Uh, we'll talk about In My Mother's Skin first. This is from the midnight section. The film is about the. The film takes place in the Philippines during World War II, where a young girl struggles to protect her mother after trusting a mysterious flesh-eating fairy. <laughs> I, there's some interesting things yeah. here, and I think particularly like 
there are some images that are created that are very haunting. Mm. It just it takes a very long time to get to those images, and the they pacing's yeah. not great. You see, the pacing's really not the, not too strong, and it's also just mm. beyond beyond yeah beyond the pacing issues. Like it, it's there are it's so prolonged. There's so many long shots where you know exactly what's going to happen, and you're just sort of waiting for that moment. Plus, as you were saying. I just feel like it didn't justify how mean it that, was to a lot of its characters. Exactly. It is mean. The it's kills are so crazy. Yeah. Which is a, maybe a positive for some. Some of them are interesting. But and the like people a, who want those kills aren't going to be here waiting. They're not going to have the patience for no. this movie. Yeah. Um, and it's just more the spirit behind his mean. Like, there's some of these kills that are, like, really cool, but it's like, that is so mean. And then, it, like, and, like, there's nothing. Yeah. It's just mean. What did that person do to deserve it? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of symbolism. You were noticing yeah. some, uh, be it either biblical stuff or just the, this idea of a virgin birth. Uh, I assume there's probably some Filipino folklore yeah, that we're just unaware of. Maybe, so but... it's like that's another example of something where it's just like I'm curious to know the symbolism in there that would give me a, yeah. a better yeah. appreciation for it. So nonetheless, it's a cool poster. Who cool kills? But it it's a 98 movie that felt like a two hour movie. I think that's what we all said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about another film from the Midnight Section this that was let like down. I think we were excited. This, this is a real letdown. Yeah. The other one was like, not for us. I'm just so mad that the link expired. <laughs> I was like, this is my last midnight. And oh. I was like, just saving it for today. And no. All right. Run, Rabbit, Run. The film about a fertility doctor forced to deal with her young daughter's increase, increasingly strange behavior. Art, you're the only one of us that actually got to check this one out. Uh, yeah. And to be honest with you, you guys were out. I was. We were going to show up when you opened the garage with those masks on. <laughs> you guys <laughs> pulled in. Um, yeah, this stars Sarah Snook as this mother who is realizing that her baby daughter kind of wants to be her aunt. This sister she never really knew, and she's really confused. Is this birth, rebirth all over again? Is there something more sinister that happened mm-hmm. in the in their childhood? And you see it come, Alina guessed it, and then little by little, you easily start like seeing the pieces. Yeah. And even if you're late to it, you go, oh, that's what it was. Oh, okay. That's what it was. It's one of those. <laughs> yeah. And gotcha. it, it just does a lot of repeating. I swear it was like watching a football game where they gave you the instant replay, but it's after something like, you know, don't worry, darling, someone falls off a roof, and then they like reverse it, and you're like, that's the goofiest thing I've seen. They do that in the most emotional scene in this movie. This one's also very mean in the way that it's showing a lot of torture and torment, only for it to not sometimes mean anything. Mm-hmm. Look, Sarah Snook is, Snook is great. She was not the best Succession star who had a movie this year. <laughs> but if you're going to see something that kind of deals with an element of this type of storytelling, Predestination. It's not close. I'm not ruining either movie for you. Just letting you know that this is a better movie to watch in case you wanted some sort of thriller. I was a little disappointed. Yeah. I was rooting for her. I really was. Can't all be winners. Don't have to be that bad either. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it wasn't as bad as whatever Zach's about link. to mention. Let's try to re-up the link. <laughs> All right, uh, we got two more to get to here. Let's talk at first about <laughs> bad behavior. It's the film directed by Alice Englert, subject part of the subjects of the Nepo Baby article. Uh, her mother Jane Campion does Jane freaking Campion <laughs> makes a cameo in this one. Don't know if that makes makes this one worth watching because I I really don't know what to make of this movie that is totally all over the place. Yeah. It's a very bizarre film. The movie is about a former child star played by Jennifer Connelly who seeks enlightenment at a spiritual retreat 
while navigating a troubled relationship with her daughter, the daughter played by Alice Englund, the director. <laughs> um, Wait, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, dude. yeah, I don't know about this one. Um, it it's like part partly introspective drama that just has these like accents of crazed hysteria that feel completely out of nowhere. I I just felt like there was no tonal or character consistency character consistency to be found anywhere within this project i'm just really like at a loss to even what i'm supposed to take away from this film i agree it's like one i of think the i five, like them a little more than you it's one of the five that i'm missing and they said no no you all said no <laughs> don't it's like how do you go from beautiful creatures to this i don't know like i'm just you're just watching it and you're trying to wait for it to hit a point where you think it's doing and it just like doesn't ever come and then no. i heard there was an animated sequence yeah. yeah. Where did that come from? So kind of like a hallucinatory thing going uh-huh. on. So I might lost me there too. I just don't like hallucinatory. Mama was on set and she didn't say anything. She should have. Mama was nepo. That's what I'm saying. That's why I need sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's good nepo. The scars guards are good nepo. Right. Like, great nepo. Great yes. Nepo. Oh damn. Well, I look forward to it. This action comedy drama thriller <laughs> could not pick a a genre. <laughs> Right, let's wrap this up with Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls. Popular internet character Onyx the Fortuitous joins a group of occultists at the mansion of their idol in order to perform a dark ritual. This film in the <laughs> midnight section of Sundance comes from writer-director and star Andrew Bowser adapting his immensely popular internet character of the same name for a feature-length film. Not just feature-length, 110 minutes long. Hey, not just 110 minutes it's long, so... bro. Onyx 2, in the works. In the sure. works. <laughs> Sequel teased at the end of the movie. It's disgustingly long. Like, I don't care how you take, you what your takeaway is, and if you enjoyed it, this movie does no business being this long. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Andrew Bowser would be on the podcast later to discuss all the hidden <laughs> Easter eggs and the... Hey, look, it's not a great movie. I'm I'm proud of seeing a YouTuber here. We already had two YouTubers here, and they made a great movie. It's called Talk to Me. He's not a YouTuber. He's a TikTok guy. Actually, no, he's it's actually cut everything. No, it turns he's... out he he like worked for like some studios and stuff, and he did, did like cutouts and stuff. That so makes it worse. It's the essentially the complete opposite of a YouTuber. Yeah. You know what? He's on YouTube. He's on YouTube, but I didn't think that's where he grew his platform. Okay. I thought he grew it on short form content. I thought it was YouTube. But I, don't I could really be wrong. Know. Maybe he tweeted crazy. it out and he said, "Follow me, leave me five stars." No, no, no. Yeah, that was that was that well, part was on YouTube. Talisman of Souls is a very annoying character that if you follow him and you're cool with that accent, you're going to get answers to like certain things that I guess he's had in his lore for a while. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that's any fun. of that. Literally, that's fun. If you were a fan and like you're into the shtick. Like, and you might walk away from doing it. They kickstarted this movie into existence, and look, it got made. There it yeah. is. Yeah, but I've even seen some people saying that they did kickstart it, mm. and they didn't like the movie. <laughs> um, I just think that this is kind of the equivalent of, like, a character. If you had a comedy, and your main characters walked by some, like, weird magician on the side of the street, right. and then somebody would punch him, and that would be the extent of it. That's this, that character, but a whole movie about him. It's like you get like You just wanted him punched. It's like the camera gets punched and you're suddenly following him around and you're not following the main characters yeah. you were just with. But you're just... And some of the... It's kind of... There's moments that are okay and I can kind of handle it. But then at one point, literally, he just says, like, I have to take a fat shit. Yeah. I'm like... Yeah. There, there are people for whom this will work. I think it's 
to, to being it's like the worst type of internet comedy, like the absolute depths of of. It's the bass player from School of Rock. What is she doing in this movie? Yeah, like, they disres- Yeah, they disrespected oh, them in Bo- School of Rock too. So they went Barbara back for Barbara Crampton is two. in this. I, I think the reason this really got made was because Olivia Taylor Dudley has a huge fan base. Ended up being a key story and like a lot of things. So clearly that must have helped out. Yeah. Um, um, we will be there for the premiere. Uh, the premiere <laughs> in 2025 for Onyx and the extra yeah. fortuitous in the talisman yeah. of. Extra souls. Goons, I don't know. My, my least favorite movie I've ever seen <laughs> at a Sundance Film Festival. Yeah, I, I do think you put it best, though. It honestly just feels like a Nickelodeon movie where they are like talking about sex and dropping F-bombs. Yeah. It feels like everything about this is geared to children except for like language and the subject matter. And then it's like, well, now... It is kind of the thing that if you're 12, you're going to be like, ho, 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 ho. Honestly, it is. It'll be online <laughs> on YouTube probably very soon. YouTube. 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 Practical. Oh. Cool. But like, you know what? Good job getting it made. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's something. Yeah, exactly. Can speak to. He's got something we don't. I don't know. I don't know. I can't even. (laughs) Some puppeteering. I can't even pretend. Some some puppeteering. Some puppeteering. Some puppeteering work in there. Was nice. The puppets were nice. Sure. Sure. Yeah, like the little, the little like. And then he like made out of me. He looked really real. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Sure. The 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 music video homage. No, it didn't earn it. He got that cleared. That's a big deal. Didn't didn't earn it. Same thing with Beetlejuice. Didn't earn it. Are we sure he cleared? <laughs> <laughs> no, he cleared it. Honestly, there was some stuff in some Sundance movies. I was like, yeah, he cleared that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's basically everything in the genre section. We did not get around to seeing one movie, yeah. Rotting in the Sun, the new film from Sebastian Silva. Oh, so we no. see it today. Uh, he's oh. a filmmaker that I, I particularly like, but I think art has a uh, not so great history with his It's not even love. Hey, it's just hate. And then we saw a Sundance article, like not not like a reviewer or something, like a worse from, from Sundance from themselves, Sundance, calling the lead of the film daringly annoying. And I think that was a little too much to get art in the door. <laughs> yeah, and we had tickets. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. said that this was like the record number of penises shown in the yeah, film. Yeah, I was gonna say there were some stunning sex scenes. Yeah, Cronenberg's getting shown up around the block right? this festival apparently. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess there's that. We'll get around to it eventually, but uh, not in time for this genre recap of the must-watch films from the Sundance Film Festival. Uh, So those are a lot of our favorites from horror, from comedy, from sci-fi, of the new films to see at Sundance. We'll be back for more of this recap to talk about the best documentaries from the Sundance Film Festival. That's all the narratives, bro! We did it! The camera We did it. Oh. We managed it. And it only took a, cu- a few hours. Yeah. And but. a couple thousands of souls. But <laughs> yeah. we made it. So, uh, yeah, that, that's it for this edition of the recap. Stick with us for the next part of it. And until next time, do we have a theater camp quote? Lay off the stick. <laughs>